Welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Trasilla from Somerset CCG, and I'm joined by my colleague, Peter Bagshaw, also a GP and CCG Clinical Lead for Mental Health. And we're really pleased to welcome today Will Hyam from Rethink. Welcome, Will. I'm a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Will, tell us, what is Rethink, please? Well, Rethink Mental Illness is an is a England-wide charity that started uh, 50 years ago this year, when um, uh, a man wrote an article in The Times about how his son had been very unwell at university. Um, received treatment eventually, but come back to find very little uh, for him in the community. So very few ways to to keep well, to keep busy, to make friends, to socialise. And that letter, uh, or rather that article in the Times, which sadly in many parts of the country could still be written today, set off a bit of a national movement. Uh, groups of people living with severe mental illness and carers forming across the country, which eventually turned into the charity Rethink Mental Illness uh, via being called the National Schizophrenia Fellowship um, as the charity that was really concerned with improving life, recovery and well-being for people living with severe mental illness. That implies that it, it takes a different view to standard medical uh, way of looking at serious mental illness. Is, is that right, Will? It's, it's on top. Um, so what we find very often is that people get eventually the treatment they need, but it's very hard to build your recovery and your well-being if in the community, if you're finding it hard to rebuild a social life, to volunteer, to take employment, to exercise and keep fit. So we've really focused on being the kind of complementary force in the community uh, for when people uh, receive uh, the treatment they need, the medical treatment. So it's not about denying that the, it's not at war with the medical model. It's just acknowledging it takes both care and support uh, to live a full life. Which sounds brilliant. And you've said it's serious mental illness. So for me, that's around psychosis, bipolar. Is, is that what you understand by that? Or do you have a broader yeah. definition? We, yes. I mean, we, we came out of the, commu- the community we came out of was, was largely schizophrenia. And over the years, we've, we've broadened. Um, to include bipolar, um, to include uh, what are called personality disorders still, um, and the more severe aspects of, of depression um, and anxiety. So it is, as you know, a huge population. It's hundreds of thousands of people and their carers severely impacted by mental illness, all too often still quite hidden. Thank you, Will, for that. And how did you come to get involved in Rethink? Oh, well, I have been a campaigner, really, at, at a few charities. So previously, I was at Save the Children and the Prison Reform Trust. And it seemed to me that, that um, uh, we were at, at a point where public understanding around mental health has really grown. And you know, part of that, a small part of that, is the Time to Change campaign that we run alongside mine. Um, so the debate is has moved on. People can now talk about mental health. However, the experience at the more severe end has been slow to catch up. So I think it's the new funds going into into community mental health uh, are are acknowledgement that over several governments of different stripes, the investment 
and the innovation needed in the community just simply hasn't been there. Um, and we certainly found ahead of the community mental health framework uh, and the NHS plan that there was a huge gap of people who were too unwell really for primary care or the talking therapies the NHS offers, but not yet in crisis who were somewhat lost in the middle. I, th I think that's absolutely right. And, and certainly we've recognised it. And as you probably know, in Somerset, we're part of this trailblazer project uh, looking at community support. Uh, are you involved with that project? Oh, yes. Um, uh, it's been a year and a half of, of um, early starts from Paddington to Taunton or staying over or um, trying to make be part of trying to make something really exciting happening in Somerset. Um, and last week to hear the, um, the NHS England, the central body, calling what's happening in Somerset uh, nation leading, possibly world leading, is really, really extraordinary. Absolutely. And it's a, a very exciting time. And I think it coincides with, as you say, increased public awareness about mental health issues. So how do you work with other groups? Because it's quite a big coalition, isn't it? Yes, there's 10 charities involved in the Open Mental Health Alliance. And then there's also, crucially, the work with NHS colleagues. Um, and the, the, the founding principle is that to have the care and support someone needs around them it is a bigger job than even the NHS on its own or any charity on their own could do. So just to sort of get into it, we did a, a lot of research last year with um, people living with severe mental illness about what they felt they needed in their community to support their recovery and their well-being. And we found that issues like housing are absolutely crucial, and yet only a third of people were getting advice on how to find housing. People really wanted to be socially active, to find groups to support them and to help support others in those groups. And, and more than half couldn't find those. People wanted advice on how to manage money, debt, how to find work, and it's very patchy. So if you take that as the experience of someone living with uh, mental illness, and then you think about how you fix it, then it becomes very quickly apparent that Citizens Advice Bureau has got a huge role to play. It, employers have a huge role to play. It's not all about the NHS and it's not all about mental health charities. It's about making sure that who, whoever they are and whatever their needs, someone coming back from uh, mental illness, which is devastating in of itself, isn't then cut off from the rest of society. Will, you've mentioned some of the areas in which there's support there's a there's a phrase from many years ago um from rural west the rural west country which uh, says that it takes a whole village to bring up a child not just a family and it sounds as though it takes a whole community to help someone recover from serious mental illness is, is are there parallels there i think that's absolutely right that's absolutely right and um there's something about it's still the case that yeah have it, experiencing mental illness is going to be one of the most devastating experiences many people could imagine in their life. Um, but we're still too often in, in a situation where it's sort of taken as read almost, that having recovered from that illness or being in the process of recovery, you could still reasonably expect to lose your home, your job, your social networks. And not only is that wrong, but it's impossible to imagine someone sustainably recovering in those conditions. So I think it does. And um, just to, well, we can send the link, but we wrote a report last year called Building Communities That Care, 
that said it will really look different in every part of the country. But every part of the country needs a plan for opening up community for people living with mental illness and taking pride in how well they do it. That's very exciting. So what planks are there in the plan in the alliance in, in Somerset, in the Somerset Mental Health Alliance? Well, You've mentioned some of them, but uh, there may be others. Yes, yeah, so we've got a, a variety of organisations involved, and this is just the start. We'd hope to grow and reach out. Um, and in fact, we, we, we will um, and are. So you'll find, for example, um, SWEDA, which is a, a charity specialising in eating disorders. Uh, you'll find the Citizens Advice Bureau, who are experts in helping people manage debt, and housing issues, and welfare issues. You'd find um, uh, WATCH, which is a peer-led organisation, because it, a huge um, part of um, a huge part of people helping is people helping others who've been through the same situation. Um, you'll also find uh, mental health charities like Mind Somerset and Second Step, uh, and Age UK, where there is of course a huge issue of, of often very well hidden loneliness and despair amongst older people. So that's the sort of starting point, um, but the aim is over the years um, to carry on building out, to think about the role of employers in making sure that jobs are available and adapted for people. And we always give a plug to Somerset Mindline, the new 24-7 service, 01823-276-892. I presume anyone phoning them can be put in touch with your organisation if it's appropriate. Oh, absolutely. So Somerset has done something really unusual and exciting uh, with the 24-7 helpline. When the pandemic hit, instructions came down from on high in the NHS to roll out the 24-7 support lines a year early. Um, And in Somerset, what that meant was that Mindline went to 24-hour-7 covering. Um, But also, that we set up a system of what we call warm transfers, because we hate the word referrals, where if someone is calling in and needs um, perhaps a, a support worker to help them um, adapt their, uh, their their care plan for um, pandemic conditions, or they want some help around bereavement or debt, they get, so to speak, handheld through to the right person within the Alliance or the NHS to give them a bit of help. So what's happened in Somerset isn't isn't like um, what's happened elsewhere. It's, it's, a, it's a really extraordinary innovation. I think it was only possible because of the year of joint working and relationship building that took place in some sense. I'd, I'd agree with that. It's very exciting to see voluntary organisations working together so well and all, all pulling in the same direction. Do you have anything to do with the Recovery College? We had a, a speaker a couple of weeks ago uh, saying about the work they do. Yes, absolutely. Um, so the recovery college is um, certainly the last time I saw planned to be part of the options uh, available on the phone line. And it isn't just um, about the voluntary sector learning to work well together. It's about the NHS and the voluntary sector learning how to work well as one big team around whoever it is who needs help. One of the other things that concerns me, Will, is the 20-year premature mortality in people with severe mental illness. Um, do you give any sort of physical health 
assistance to people with serious mental illness? Uh, so around the country, we um, we run about 200 peer support groups, which is um, essentially people helping each other out, um, either as carers or people with direct experience. And we've been piloting with Sport England, um, getting physical activity uh, going in those groups. And it's, it's absolutely crucial. The issues around um, the premature mortality of severe mental illness are, are completely uh, extraordinary. Thank you. That's interesting. Um, Will, an organisation that's been going 50 years, it's very exciting to have you involved in Somerset, and it's very exciting to hear that Somerset is trailblazing. Um, have you any other thoughts or lessons from that 50 years as to um, advice you would give us in Somerset, what you'd like to see, what, what we're doing well already? Um, any other comments? Well, so we've... Um you know, we've been working in Somerset for, for decades, mainly doing supported housing. Um, and I think um, what the what the CCG and the Trust have done in Somerset has been really ambitious, you know, to, to recognise historic underfunding, to recognise that, um, that everyone needed to work together in a different way and that transformation was needed, has been completely extraordinary. Um, and I think... It's interesting to see somewhere like Somerset take the lead, where it's usually cities that are the trailblazers. And I think what you're beginning, to, what we're beginning to see in Somerset is through things like the sort of AGK work, reaching out to people and befriending them, through some of the online um, peer support, like the Click CLIC service that's just been set up as part of the survivors, and through the phone access. And also through community front rooms for people in crisis, because you know, the cafe model is really a city model, crisis cafes. We're beginning to see some real innovation that looks at the demographics and the rural nature of Somerset. Um, and it's great to see it also so talked about nationally. Do you want to tell us a bit more about the, the front room concept? Because it's developed, hasn't it, from the concept of crisis house and then crisis cafe and so on um but it, it is a as far as i'm aware it's unique to somerset it, it is uh it is emerging um in a few places but we did um uh we did a, a number of focus groups in somerset with people living with sphere mental illness a couple of years ago and a few things came up very quickly um some of which are quite challenging for nhs colleagues um uh, one was that people wanted help in a non-clinical environment. They wanted a, a place that didn't feel um, like GP surgery, not that there's anything wrong with the GP surgery. I'm sure you both spend a lot of time in them. They wanted people who had had similar experiences, and they put a lot of weight on pre-crisis planning and post-crisis support. Um, rather than waiting for the crisis and then uh, and then getting the ambulance to the A and E, um, and the, the the trick there is integrating all of that, taking a familiar place, maybe setting up the front room in, in the heart of a village on regular nights, setting up groups around it, supports around it, but still having the connection to the NHS where you will have highly qualified individuals ready to ready to step in if things can't be managed in the community. But it, it is clearly, you know, it, 
you can see amazing cafes in places like Grimsby where, you know, the bus services will run all night and serve a huge population. That, that clearly doesn't work in, in somewhere like Somerset. No, we had bus services that ran all night. What we do have is is countryside. We're very lucky um, that we have countryside that shines as us every day and the hills and the, the rivers, the River Paris and the, the Black Downs, the Mendips, the uh, foothills of Exmoor and, and, uh, and the Brendons and others. Um, so I've just mentioned nature, Will, which sort of brings me on to a, a question which is very dear to my heart. What importance is there for exposure to nature for our, our mental health and our well-being? Is, is it important? Uh, does it matter? I, I think it, it is profound for many people. Um, and we've um, surveyed uh, nationally people living with severe mental illness uh, during the, the lockdown to find out how things have gone for them. And sadly to say some 80% of people have said things are getting worse or much worse with their well-being. And what drives that will be different for many people. It's the connection to the natural world. For many people, it's um, friendships. And for many people, it's routines and trusted individuals who help them navigate their day. But um, I think yeah, I mean, it has been a real pleasure getting to know the, the beauties of Sunset much, much better than I had before. You mentioned the survey and the extraordinary times we're in. And... I certainly, as a GP, see a lot of people who are struggling with mental health issues as a result of lockdown, and, and now also beginning to see people struggling particularly with anxiety as things are opening up. I, I wondered what your experience from the survey was of that. It's exactly that. People have found it hard to maintain their familiar routines. And I'm thinking of Sweden, um eating disorder charity I mentioned in, in Somerset, talking about how many of their clients found it stressful to um, have to walk around a supermarket in a particular way when they might avoid certain aisles, had to have to, to um, store food, to worry about food supplies. And that, you know, that's just one example for one condition. Um, uh, it, it's also taken away people's sort of um, routines. So it has been difficult and challenging. People have shown a lot of bravery, I think, and resilience. Then on top of that, um, Every time we experience an economic downturn that, that involves unemployment, we can expect a further surge of need as people lose their jobs, get into debt, um, spend too much time at home for family relationships to survive. So I think the NHS plan and the new money that's coming to community was always, always necessary. But now it's, it's vital because we're going to see a surge of need um, both of people who were ill and have got worse, and of people who are newly ill. And unless we do the sort of thing that is beginning to happen in Somerset, of making sure the community is itself a better place to support people living with mental illness, we won't be able to cope um, with, with this wave of despair and illness that is likely. So... Uh, so we, we not just as services need to, uh, as, as commissioners, as, as professional services as, and as volunteers, voluntary sector services need to look out for people, but actually we need to look out for our neighbours as well and people who live in our street or, or near us who we might be able to reach out to and, and support. Absolutely. And in some ways, um, 
I think the time is, I mean, for, I remember just um, when I was growing up, all public buildings suddenly having ramps attached to them, so they were accessible to people who had mobility difficulties. And I think there's a similar sort of case here. If, if, you, if you're running a leisure centre, have you been talking to people locally who are living with mental illness about what it is that makes that unwelcoming to them, whether you could have a group of people in special times, where if you're a local employer, um, you might also want to, to listen to that community. But it's about a profound change in our communities so that just because you've had a mental illness uh, and live with that pain of that, it's no longer expected that you die before your time, you don't work again, and you're, you become socially isolated. And of course, we've seen that in dementia with dementia friendly communities, uh, the forget me not symbol, which makes people feel welcome. I, I've campaigned for a long time to try and spread that out to mental health more generally. Um, I don't know if, if there's any prospect of that happening that you know of, Will. Well, I think, I mean, you know, something really remarkable is happening in March of next year. Um, the amount of new money going into community funding. Uh, community services is absolutely incredible. And Somerset has been one of the 12 areas that have piloted that approach and attracted a lot of attention from the way you've done it. Um, so the new resources are coming in. What's necessary now is for communities to mobilise in the ways we've been talking about around those new resources um, so that it will look different in Bury St Edmunds or Grimsby or Somerset, but that communities, local authorities, the NHS, voluntary sector and others, um, make that profound change. As part of the team that put together the new way of working, can I pass my thanks on for all the work that you and the other uh, VCSE members have done? I think it's been a something that, that the success has uh, exceeded our wildest expectations. As we're coming to the end, I'd better give you another chance to let people know how they get in touch with you if they feel they need your services or want to be involved, I guess. Uh, the, the best way in um, at the minute is through the Mindline number, um, as you know, uh, open around the clock. And that will transfer you to the information or the additional services you need uh, to support you or to get more involved. Uh, so that's, that's the Mindline number, 01823 276. 892. And if people want to know more about your organisation, Will, then I gather it's rethink.org. Is that right, the website? Yes, that is, that is Rethink Mental Illness's website. Um, uh, the the um, Open Mental Health Alliance, we can put up a link for that as well, because there are many more charities and organisations involved in Rethink. And Somerset Mindline, if they can't remember the number, they can just uh, search it on a search engine, Somerset Mindline and it'll come up with the number. Thank you. Well, thank you, Will, very much indeed for joining us today. Um, we've discussed a really important topic, and I think what I'm hearing is opportunity and optimism, which is really exciting for a difficult area. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Peter. My pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast hosted by Dr. Andrew Tresider and Dr. Peter Bagshaw. The show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.